This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. God is good. And all the time. Let's try that again. God is good. And all the time. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Good morning everyone. I said good morning everyone. Did I walk into a cemetery? Good morning everyone. How are you? How many of you love Jesus? Can I see your hand quickly? Ah, God bless you. God bless you. I love him as well. So I'll raise both of my hands. I love Christ. I'm delighted to see you. I thank God from the foundation of my soul for this sweet privilege and this holy honor to fellowship with you in this way. And my prayer is that the Lord will tell me precisely what to say, that your lives may be blessed. But higher than that, that God's name may be glorified. Can I have an amen? amen? Before I go any further, who is with us who is not a Seventh-day Adventist? May I see your hand? You are not a Seventh-day Adventist? May I see your hand? Raise your hand wherever you are and move the hand. Ah, God bless you, my lovely sister. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We are delighted to have you with us. Anyone else? You are not? Ah, God bless you. God bless you, my good brother. Just uh, do that for me. God, no, yeah, that's it. Now you'll go to heaven. Just keep it off, keep it off, keep it off. All right. Anyone else? Take that thing off. Anyone else? You are not a Seventh-day Adventist. Anyone else? Come on, say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. Two weeks. Say it again. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. Yes, He is. God can't be anything but good. Now, time flies quickly, so I have to plunge into the message. The title of this morning's message is laughing out loud what did I say now for those of you who were born in the Facebook maternity ward of the social media hospital you know that laughing out loud is referred to as what ah LOL do you know the Bible as well as that okay L O L but our subject is laughing out loud I understand there's one called rolling on the floor laughing am I right yeah, there's another one you can't mention from the pulpit. But so L-O-L is our subject for this morning. Before I go any further, you need to help me. I'm always in need of help. What's this? Ah, come on. What's this? What's that? What do I want you to use? Yes. Now, we're meeting for the first time, so you don't know how to get along with me. I am telling you how. Bring a Bible to the service. I want to see you walking to the hotel lobby with a Bible. I want to see you walking on the streets with a Bible. Someone may say to you, are you a Christian? And I hope you'll say yes. The person may say, where are you going? To GYC. What's that? You tell them, may I come? Yes. We thank God for technology. This is not a Bible. This is the Holy Bible. This is not the Holy iPhone. 
bring a Bible. Now, how many of you have Bibles? Raise your hands. You have, raise your hands. Ah, God bless you. The rest of you who don't, please repent and bring your Bible tomorrow. All right. This has Viber, Snapchat. Is it Snapchat? Instagram, WhatsApp, email, uh, Google. What else? What else? You know them. Don't play as though you don't. You do. What does this have? Only the Word of God. No temptations with this. I came into the meeting last night. There was someone on the, on the phone just, uh, you know, God can kill you for that. No, no, I'm serious. He can kill you for that. We must respect God. Something else to do for me. I want you to pretend you're in the presence of an earthly judge. Now, what are some things you cannot do? You can't talk. Something you can't chew gum. Who said that? I like you. God bless you. What else? What else you cannot do? You can't text. You cannot even take the phone into a courtroom. What else you cannot do? You can't drink water. A courtroom is not a restaurant. Drink your water before you come. You will not die of thirst. Can you say amen? All right. Pretend you're in the presence of a judge. Now convert that to the judge of all the earth. Show God reverence. If you agree, say amen. amen. What's our subject? All right. So this off, the Bible on, second favor. While I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. That's based on Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Favor number three, think. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. You know, young people are treated too much like young people. What do I mean? When you take the SAT, when you take calculus, when you take honest physics, you're serious, right or wrong. Yes, you're right. You're right. But when it comes to the Bible, you giggle and laugh and ignore it. I want you to be rigorous in your thinking. God deserves it. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father in heaven, you know how honored I am to stand in your presence, to speak to those for whom your son shed his blood. In the all-conquering name of Jesus Christ, dear God, give me the words, give me the sequence of ideas, help me to speak, dear God, with boldness, fearlessness, but humility. Bless everyone who has come, but Father, in a very special way, bless the visitors, dear God, those who are not Seventh-day Adventists, who have come to be with us, a double blessing on them. Now, dear God, take all the glory and give us the blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. Genesis 5, reading from verse 3. Quickly. Genesis 5, reading from verse 3. The Bible says, And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Adam were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 
105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Cainan. And Enos lived after he begat Cainan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And Cainan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel. And Cainan lived after he begat Mahalalel 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Cainan were 910 years and he died. Adam, Seth, Enos, Cainan. Adam, 930. Seth, 912. Enos, 905. Cainan, 910. What we will do is total those lifespans. We're going all the way to Noah and then come up with an average minus the lifespan of Enoch. Verse 15. And Mahalali lived 60 and 5 years and begat Jared. And Mahalali lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were 890 and 5 years and he died. And Jared lived 160 and 2 years and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and 2 years and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Remember, we do not include the lifespan of Enoch because it has not yet ended and it will never end. He did not die. And so we have Adam 930, Seth 912. Enos 905, Cainan 910, Mahalalel 895, Jared 962. We pass Enoch, we go to Methuselah, verse 25 of Genesis 5. And Methuselah lived 180 and 7 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and 2 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and 9 years and he died. And Lamech lived a hundred eighty and two years and begat a son and called his name Noah saying, this same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat uh, Noah five hundred ninety and five years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years and he died. So we've reached Lamech beginning at Adam. The last of the ten patriarchs before the flood is Noah. Verse 32, Genesis 5, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And how long did Noah live? Chapter 9, verse 29, and all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. We pause. Let's calculate from Adam to Noah minus Enoch. 
the average lifespan 912. If someone were alive today and that person was 912, he was born hundreds of years before Columbus. He could tell you about Marco Polo and how we met him. He could tell you about John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation. 912 is a long time to live. Those are the ten patriarchs before the flood. Let's look at ten patriarchs after the flood. What's our subject? Quickly. Laughing out loud or shorten it. Yes, LOL. Genesis 11, reading from verse 10. Has anyone prayed and said, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth yet? Ah, God bless you. God bless you wherever you are. I am profoundly grateful. Thank you very much. Genesis 11, reading from verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. Now we have Shem, a son of Noah. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad six, 500 years and begat sons and daughters. So Shem lived 600 years. Verse 12, And Arphaxad lived five and thirty years and begat Salah. And Arphaxad lived after he begat Salah 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber. And Salah lived after he begat Eber 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Eber lived 430 years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. Let's pause. From Shem to Eber, Shem lived 600 years, Arphaxad 433, Salah 430, 438 for, uh, for Salah, Salah 433, and Eber 464. Now the next longest lifespan would be Peleg, who is next, and Rio, who is after him. Both lived 239. Now, the ten patriarchs after the flood stretch from Shem, 600, to Abraham, 175. So we have ten before the flood, ten after the flood, one cross both sides of the flood, that was Noah. Now, why am I saying all of this? In the days of Enoch, Methuselah, Noah, Shem, Cainan, Enos, Mahalalel. 900 was nothing to be amazed at. Are you with me? 900 was customary. Methuselah had his first child when he was 187. I checked on the lifespans in various countries. No country on the face of the earth has a lifespan for any citizen beyond 90 not one country the leading country i think japan sweden they're in the high 80s united states in the 70s you take it online and see where your country is you may be shocked and mortified no one above 100 above 90. 900 i say was standard but listen to moses as he describes the lifespan of abraham go to genesis 25 
Let's read first. Well, before we go to Genesis, let's go to Genesis 17. We're looking at now a change of mindset. Genesis 17, we'll read from verse 15, our subject, laughing out loud. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Behold, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. That's what God said to Abraham. If you have the King James Version, read verse 17 with me. Are you ready? Let's read. Then Abraham fell where? On his face and laughed. Laughed at whom? God. Why? Because God said, you will have a son at the age of 100. Sarah will have a child at the age of 90. Abraham fell on his face and LOL'd. And for those of you above the age of 25, he laughed out loud. Why did Abraham laugh at God? Because Abraham's mind could not entertain the thought of someone having a child at a hundred, even though his forefather had a son at 187. What am I saying? The thinking had changed. Sustained exposure to certain conditions changes the mind. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 95, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, speaking of the antediluvians, as sin became general, it appeared less and less sinful. And they finally declared that the divine law was no longer in force, and that it was contrary to the character of God to punish transgression. And they denied that the judgments of God were to be visited upon the earth. That paragraph ends with these words, their minds had become so blinded by rejection of light that they really believed Noah's message to be a delusion. They really believed hundreds of years of sin, no judgment from God. They could not accept that God would finally send judgment. My young brothers and sisters, I'm saying to you, sustained exposure to a certain condition changes the mind. Now God said, you'll have a son. Abraham laughed. He could not even accept what God said because his mind had been so changed. He is now accustomed to a short lifespan. And so he fell on his face and laughed at God. God is merciful, he understood. It's good when husbands and wives cooperate. In chapter 18, Sarah also laughed, but the Bible had her in a tent door behind God and Abraham, so we don't know if she fell on her face. But she laughed. Now, let's see how Moses, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, describes the lifespan of Abraham. Genesis 25, we read verse 7 and verse 8. Genesis 25, 7 and 8. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, a hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Verse 8, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died. Pick up the verse with me now. Come on, and died. 
in a good old age. Finish the verse. An old man and full of years. Pause. 175 is an old man, a good old age. And Methuselah had his first child at 187. Something had changed in the mind of humanity. They now accepted a lifespan less than uh, 200 as a long life. And so Abraham was an old man full of years. He died in a good old age. Because in his day, 900 no longer made sense chronologically or physiologically. If I'm getting through to you, say amen. All right. Let's leave Abraham and go to an age when it got worse. Go to Psalm 90. What's our subject? What book did I just say? What chapter? What verse? I didn't say. You're listening. God bless you. Psalm 90, reading verse 10. We're going from Abraham to David, hundreds of years later from Abraham to David. Are you with me? Read with me if you have the King James Version. What does the Bible say? The days of our years are what? Three score and ten. And if by reason of strength they be what? Four score stop. In David's time, Abraham's lifespan made no sense. 175, oh no, 70. From 912, as the average lifespan before the flood. The 10 patriarchs after the flood, the average lifespan 316. From Shem to Abraham. In Abraham's day, 175, long life. In David's time, 70. And if you follow Elohim's counsel in councils and diets and foods, maybe 80. The thinking had changed to the point that not even God's word was accepted. Let me explain what I mean. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3, read, read from verse 3. 2 Peter 3, reading from verse 3, find these passages quickly. Time is slipping away. As it always does. Do you have 2 Peter 3? Say yes or no. All right, what verse did I say? Knowing this first, that they shall come when? In the last days, who? Scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying what? Where is the of his? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue what? From the what? Yes, they were saying, where is the coming? That's what they'll say. For hundreds and hundreds of years, we have heard Jesus is coming. He has not come. He's not coming. Taking too long. I have said all of that to say this. We have lived in a world of sin for approximately six thousand years. Listen to me carefully. Don't sleep. Weakness is passed on from generation to generation. I didn't say sin. I said weakness. I can't pass my sin to my son. Weakness 
dispositions, attitudes are passed on from generation. So each succeeding generation is weaker than the one that preceded it. After 6,000 years of the earth being a sewer of sin, we have come to the place, listen to me carefully, as in Abraham's time, 900 years made no sense. As in David's time, 175 made no sense. We have come to the time where it makes no sense to many Christians, among them Seventh-day Adventists, it makes no sense to say it is possible to live above sin. We are surrounded by sin. Your college campus, on any given night, somebody is sleeping with somebody else who should not be in that room. I say college because you're all young people. On any college campus, someone is introducing someone to marijuana. And it may be on our campuses as well. On any college campus, someone is being introduced to alcohol. On any given campus, someone is doing something contrary to the standards of God, and the environment is so steep, it reeks with sin to the extent that it is difficult for Christians to believe that by the power of God, they can conquer sin. And so when someone says it is possible to conquer every sin in the life, we L-O-L. We serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. Let's go back to Abraham's experience. We go to Genesis 18. This time Sarah is the one laughing. Remember the thinking of change in Abraham's day in 900 years? Make no sense. But God does not relate to time the way we do. Genesis 18, we read from verse 10. This is God speaking to Abraham. Of course, he came in a human form with two angels. When I said he came in human form in Abraham's day, that was not the incarnation. Are you with me? The incarnation required the virgin birth. Are you following me? He had to be born of a woman. It was not the incarnation, but he came in human form. If that's clear, say amen. I'm not convinced. Christ appeared in human form in Genesis 18. He consumed meat, drank milk, put butter on the bread. It was not the incarnation. If that's clear, say amen. What was required for the incarnation? He had to be born of a woman. He was not born of a woman in Genesis 18, but he appeared in human flesh. All right. In that condition, he sat down with Abraham, spoke to him. Verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. That's what God said. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Sarah said, Look, I am too old to have children. She laughed. 
Abraham left in chapter 17, set the example. Sarah followed in chapter 18. Read verse 13. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which I am old? Now let's go to verse 14. Read the question in verse 14, the first part, out loud. You read it, I'll listen to you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You answer the question loudly. No, that was not loud. I said loudly. No. No. If nothing is too hard for God, mm, listen to what God is saying. Remember the context. God is saying, I don't care if the lifespan is no longer 900. That's not a problem for me. I don't care if the physiology of human beings has changed. That's not a problem for me. I don't care how sociology has changed. That's not a problem for me. That's a problem for you, Abraham, and for your giggling wife. It is not a problem for me. So is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. Now, question for you. Answer me loudly, yes or no. Can God give you victory over your addiction to social media, yes or no? Yes. I walked to the lobby last night. There were four young people sitting on a couch, looking very comfortable. They're probably a GYC group, I don't know. Everyone on a cell phone. So I deliberately walked close to the couch to see which book of the Bible they were reading. <laughs> you know what they were doing? Take a guess. Playing games. And with concentration reserved for an honest program. And they're playing. Listen to me. We're familiar with addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs. Addiction to pornography. There is addiction to this. That's why when I say turn it off, you find it so hard to obey. But if you disobey me, you may fail all your exams. When I say turn this off, turn this off. Are you listening to me? Does God have power to break your addiction to pornographic websites? Yes or no? Yes. Does God have the power? to break your connection with that boyfriend who is not of the church ah say yes loudly say it again say it again yes and some of you are guilty i see it in your lovely vegetarian faces and before gyc is over break off those relationships did you hear what i said break them off adventist home page 67 paragraph 1 to unite with an unbeliever is to place yourself on Satan's ground. You grieve the Spirit of God and forfeit His protection. Our scripture reading, where did it come from? Jude 24, 25. Blessings upon you. What does it say? Now unto Him that is able to what? Keep you from falling. And to present you how? Faultless. Before whom? The presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Listen to the verse again. We shall read it microscopically. Now unto him that is what? 
What does able mean? Give me a longer version, a longer word that expresses able. It means ability or capability, yes. Now unto him that is able to do what? Keep, go on, you. So we have him. What else do we have? Ability to keep whom? You. The ability does not lie in you. It lies where? In him. As long as you think the ability lies in you to conquer sin, you will fail. Now, you may conquer that individual sin or that individual sin, or I may conquer, but you and I will never conquer the power of sin until we acknowledge the power for that lies in Jesus Christ. And so now unto Him, God, that is able, remember, is anything too hard for the Lord? To keep you from what? Falling. We've lived so long in a world of sin, as I said earlier. We read that verse and we say, no way. When you do not believe God's Word, you effectively call God a liar. Let me say it again. When we disbelieve God's Word, we effectively call God a liar. He that believeth in the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not hath made God a liar, because he hath not believed the testimony God gave of his Son. 1 John 5 verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not hath made God a liar. Listen to me carefully, my friends. When you say, whether by word or attitude, that God is not able to give you victory over your besetting sin, you have called God a liar. Let me take it one step further and alarm you. The liar is Satan. Listen to John 8, 44. Just listen. Ye are of your father, what? The devil. And the lust of your father he will do. He will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now the Bible says Jesus is truth, John 14, 6. The Holy Ghost is truth, 1 John 5, 6. The Father is truth, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. The whole family of heaven is truth. Jesus says, there is no truth in Satan. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. Let me alarm you. Satan is a liar. The Bible says, when we doubt God's word, we make him a liar. Do you see where I'm going? You sure? I don't see you trembling. Is virtually equating God with Satan to disbelieve the plainly revealed, I am not referring to ignorance, the plainly revealed and stated word of God. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. It is plain, it is clear. To preach Sundays a Sabbath is to call God a liar and to equate him with the, the originator of lies, Satan. When you say, 
God cannot give you victory over sin. You are calling God a liar. And you ought to tell him, I'm sorry. This morning. What's our subject? Laughing out loud. There are too many Christians laughing at God by laughing at His Word. Because the Word says, If ye do these things, ye shall never fail. Because the Word says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. What does faultless mean? Without sin, effectively. How are the last day believers described? The end time generation, Revelation 14, 5. Say it with me. And in their mouth was found. Come on, say it loudly. In their mouth was found. No guile. Why? For they are without fault before the throne of God, not before the White House, the Kremlin, or number 10 Downing Street, not before your friends, but before God. How you appear before your friends is not as crucial as how you appear before God. Am I too hard on you? Are you sure? Do you want to Mary had a little lamb sermon tomorrow morning? There's something you're doing, you've been doing for years, you need to stop. You've been doing it, not because you're so extraordinarily vicious, because you really don't believe you can stop. You just don't believe it. Do you know unbelief is a foundation of sin? Listen to the words of Jesus, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he's come, he'll reprove the world of three things. What are they? Sin. What's the next one? Righteousness. Judgment. Now Jesus lists the three, and then he comments on each one. Of sin, because they believe not on me. There's something you're doing. You must stop. Not only are we affected by the fact this world has been 6,000 years of sin, and so the thought of a sinless life is virtually uh, unwelcome to everyone's mind, virtually, but also because pulpits no longer pre preach the, the, the question of sin. Because sin is uncomfortable. Don't tell me about sin. Tell me how to be rich. Tell me how to get a husband or a second one. Tell me how to prosper. Tell me how to find school fees. Tell me how to get a larger house. Tell me how to feel good about myself. Give me some psychology. Give me some how to win friends and influence people. Give me some think positive and grow, whatever it is, think and grow rich. Don't tell me about sin. Come tomorrow morning, and the next morning, and the next morning. 
to hear what God has given me for you. For this morning, as I come to the final moments of laughing out loud, I want you to change your thinking regarding the nature of sin and the power of God. Yes, the greatest power in the universe after God is the power of Satan. What did I just say? This side. This side, what did I just say? Next time, don't be so slow. I'll go to that side. <laughs> the greatest power in the universe after sin, after God, is the power of Satan. And the power of Satan is the power of sin. To break it, you need God. Bible Commentary, Volume 5, page 1083, Paragraph 1. How many of you have heard of Ellen White? Can I see your hand? Hands down. Wrong question. You've never heard of Ellen White. May I see your hand? You've never heard of Ellen White. Can I see your hand? All right. How many of you read a book of Ellen White within the past 10 years? Can I see your hand? Uh, God bless you. Let me pause and make a commercial I was not asked to do. Read the writings of Ellen White. Are you with me? This side said nothing. I said read the writings of Ellen White. Read messages to young people. huh? Read letters to young lovers. Read education. Read mind, character, and personality. Read those books and put down Harry Potter. Let your life change. Read the writings of Ellen White. If there's a booth, go and buy all the books. Leave that pizza alone. Buy the books. Read them. Bible Commentary, Volume 5, page 1083, Paragraph 1. Ellen White writes, Bear in mind, it is none but God that can hold an argument with Satan. The only power that can break you and me free from sin is the power of God. And the power is available through the Word of God. Mm -hmm. But it has to be believed. My brothers and sisters, let us stop laughing out loud at God. You can gain victory over your sin. I don't care what it is. Pride, selfishness, always late for church but early for class. You can gain the victory over sin. If you agree, say amen. Now, listen to me carefully. My time is running. If there's a particular weakness you have, and right now, you want to commit that to God and say, Father, I want the victory over this. This is very specific. I smoke in secret. I drink in secret. I'm a professional fornicator. Whatever it is, I want to break away from that. If you will identify a particular weakness, and you want God to help you, stand up, and stand up quickly. I won't call to the front. Just stand where you listen to me carefully. There is a particular weakness you have. Watching a lot of movies. Buying CDs from Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga and Beyonce and uh, what's the other girl name? Black China and, uh, and uh, 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 Ziggy Aguilia or whatever her name is and, um, and all their cousins. Which is an entrance the devil gets into your mind. You want to stop wasting God's money and ruining your mind. You say, God, give me victory over my love for the world. 
Let me love Jesus. How can you put Beyonce and Jesus and you prefer Beyonce over Jesus? It's because you don't know Jesus. I'll repeat the call one more time. I ask you to stand, having identified an individual weakness. Father, I want victory over that, beginning now. As the words of God to Abraham ring in your mind, is anything too hard for the Lord? Give me the answer. No. Can God break your addiction to social media? Yes. Can God break your addiction to movies? Yes. Can He give you victory over immorality? Yes. Can He help you break that out-of-church relationship? Yes. Do you want it? Say yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father in heaven, if I was too hard on your people today, God forgive me. My heart is love. Look at these beautiful young people today. God, you want them. But the devil also wants them. And sometimes today, God, it looks as if you're losing the battle. And the devil is winning. Your word says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. The devil functions the same way. He wants them when they're young. The same way Nebuchadnezzar wanted young people in whom was no blemish, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge. He wanted the best. The devil wants your people, dear God, but you want them too as proven by Calvary. Dear God, some of my young brothers and sisters are trapped in one weakness after another. They may have reached a point of hopelessness. I can't conquer this. I can't conquer that. And they laugh out loud, effectively not believing your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, who conquered death, hell, sin, the grave, and Satan, let them leave this place believing they can break free from that sin that has handcuffed them to Satan. Give them that deliverance they got. Let them experience freedom in Christ. Bless us for the remainder of this day. Bless every speaker that God. Let lives change, I pray. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. God bless you. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.